Now for the word, we start with uh, Sankofa, which is a West African spiritual proverb and teaching that reminds us to go back and fetch it. Taking hold of our past, our history, in such a way that it becomes nourishment and guidance for journeying into the future. So in the spirit of Sankofa, we go back and read our daily readings for this day which are Psalm 104 and 149, 1 Samuel chapter 4, verses 1b through 11, Acts chapter 4, verses 32 to 511, and Luke 21, 20 through 28. Listen for God's word to speak to you. Psalm 104. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with honor and majesty, wrapped in light as with a garment. You stretch out the heavens like a tent. You set the beams of your chambers on the waters. You make the clouds your chariot. You ride on the wings of the wind. You make the winds your messengers, fire and flame your ministers. You set the earth on its foundations, so that it shall never be shaken. You cover it with the deep as with a garment. The waters stood above the mountains. At your rebuke they flee. At the sound of your thunder they take to flight. They rose up to the mountains, ran down to the valley, to the place that you appointed for them. You set a boundary that they may not pass so that they may not again cover the earth. You make springs gush forth in the valleys. They flow between the hills, giving drink to every wild animal. The wild asses quench their thirst. By the streams, the birds of the air have their habitation. They sing among the branches. From your lofty abode, you water the mountains. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of your work. You cause the grass to grow for the cattle and plants for people to use, to bring forth food from the earth and wine to gladden the human heart, oil to make the face shine, and bread to strengthen the human heart. The trees of the Lord are watered abundantly, the cedars of Lebanon that God planted. In them the birds build their nests. The stork has its home in the fir trees. The high mountains are for the wild goats. The rocks are a refuge for the conies. You have made the moon to mark the seasons. The sun knows its time for setting. You make darkness and its night, when all the animals of the forest come creeping out. The young lions roar for their prey, seeking their food from God. When the sun rises, they withdraw and lie down in their dens. People go out to their work and to their labor until the evening. O Lord, how manifold are your works! In wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. Yonder is the sea, great and wide. Creeping things innumerable are there, living things both small and great. There go the ships and Leviathan that you formed to sport in it. 
These all look to you to give them their food in due season. When you give to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are filled with good things. When you hide your face, they are dismayed. When you take away their breath, they die and return to their dust. When you send forth your spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the ground. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in God's works. Who looks on the earth and it trembles. Who touches the mountains and they smoke. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have being. May my meditation be pleasing to God, for I rejoice in the Lord. Let sinners be consumed from the earth, and let the wicked be no more. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord. In Psalm 149, Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. God's praise in the assembly of the faithful. Let Israel be glad in its maker. Let the children of Zion rejoice in their king. Let them praise God's name with dancing, making melody to God with tambourine and lyre. For the Lord takes pleasure in God's people. God adorns the humble with victory. Let the faithful exult in glory. Let them sing for joy on their couches. Let the high praises of God be in their throats and two-edged swords in their hands, to execute vengeance on the nations and punishment on the peoples, to bind their kings with fetters and their nobles with chains of iron, to execute on them the judgment decreed. This is glory for all God's faithful ones. Praise the Lord. We have from 1 Samuel chapter 4, verses 1b to 11. In those days the Philistines mustered for war against Israel, and Israel went out to battle against them. They encamped at Ebenezer, and the Philistines encamped at Aphek. The Philistines drew up in line against Israel, and when the battle was joined, Israel was defeated by the Philistines, who killed about 4,000 men on the field of battle. When the troops came to the camp, the elders of Israel said, Why has the Lord put us to rout today before the Philistines? Let us bring the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord here from Shiloh, so that God may come among us and save us from the power of our enemies. So the people went to Shiloh and brought from there the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of Hosts, who is enthroned on the cherubim. The two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were there with the Ark of the Covenant of God. When the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel gave a mighty shout so that the earth resounded. When the Philistines heard the noise of the shouting, they said, What does this great shouting in the camp of the Hebrews mean? When they learned that the Ark of the Lord had come to the camp, the Philistines were afraid, for they said, Gods have come into the camp. They also said, Woe to us, for nothing like this has happened before. Woe to us, who can deliver us from the power of these mighty gods? These are the gods who struck the Egyptians with every sort of plague in the wilderness. Take courage and be men, O Philistines, in order not to become slaves to the Hebrews, as they have been to you. Be men and fight. So the Philistines fought. Israel was defeated. And they fled, everyone to his home. There was a very great slaughter, for there fell of Israel thirty 
thousand foot soldiers. The Ark of God was captured, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, died. Second reading is Acts chapter 4, verses 32 through 511. Now the whole group of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one claimed private ownership of any possessions, but everything they owned was held in common. With great power the apostles gave their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as owned lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold. They laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. There was a Levite, a native of Cyprus, Joseph, to whom the apostles gave the name Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He sold a field that belonged to him, then brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. But a man named Ananias, with the consent of his wife, Sapphira, sold a piece of property. With his wife's knowledge, he kept back some of the proceeds and brought only a part and laid it at the apostles' feet. Ananias, Peter asked, Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, were not the proceeds at your disposal? How is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You did not lie to us, but to God. Now when Ananias heard these words, he fell down and died, and great fear seized all who heard of it. The young man came and wrapped up his body, then carried him out and buried him. After an interval of about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter said to her, Tell me whether you and your husband sold the land for such and such a price. And she said, Yes, that was the price. Then Peter said to her, How is it that you have agreed together to put the Spirit of the Lord to the test? Look. The feet of those who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Immediately she fell down at his feet and died. When the young men came in, they found her dead, so they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear seized the whole church and all who heard of these things. And from Luke chapter 21, verses 20 through 28. Jesus continues to speak about the end times. When you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation has come near. Then those in Judea must flee to the mountains, and those inside the city must leave it, and those out in the country must not enter it. For these are days of vengeance as a fulfillment of all that is written. Woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing infants in those days. For there will be great distress on the earth and wrath against this people. They will fall by the edge of the sword and be taken away as captives among all nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled on by the Gentiles until the times, times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. There will be signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars, and on the earth, distress among nations, confused by the roaring of the sea and the waves. People will faint from fear and foreboding of what is coming upon the world. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming on a cloud with power and great glory. Now when 
these things begin to take place, stand up, raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, our reading is for today. First of all, interesting psalm, this opening psalm, is very much about uh, sort of praising God for creation and specifically water, which goes, it's a nice, interesting dovetail with that um, pouring out of of, uh, water offering sort of thing. Um, Our first reading from 1 Samuel. So remember, there have now been a couple of of prophetic words spoken against Phinehas and uh, the other guy, um, the sons of Eli and... God has told Eli multiple times now he's going to be punished. They're going to be punished. They are both going to die on the same day. So we have this story of this um, battle between the Philistine army and the army of Israel. These were relatively common. The Philistines were one of the tribes um, that were kind of in that land of Canaan that they were constantly in battle with. So they come together and they are ready for this battle and the Israelites are coming in and ready to sort of take on this this army, right? The Philistines are ready. They have this battle and the Israelites are just slaughtered. Um, They they lose. They're not quite slaughtered. Maybe they're decimated, right? Um, they They lose this battle. So they say, what do we need to do? And they think back over their history. They go, well, when we've lost battles before, it's because God is not on our side. And then they make an incorrect inference. Well, we need the Ark of the Covenant, the very presence of God. And if the presence of God is with us, then we will be fine. The the thing that they have forgotten, right? And the thing that the assumption that is a part of that equation that doesn't actually live out, it is not God's presence that gives um, that that victory, but it is that relationship with God. When we are in God's presence, when we are on God's side, then God provides. Uh, We saw, you know, throughout Deuteronomy, this, this word that if you are righteous, if you are doing the things that you're supposed to be doing, then God will be with you and God will bless you and, and, and things will go well for you. But if you don't, then God is going to turn that blessing away and bad things are going to happen. This is not a threat. This is just a statement of the way things are. And so these Israelites, instead of doing the hard thing of getting right with God, being in right relationship with God, being a righteous people, they just lift up the name of God. They, they bring their artifact and their, you know, their uh, talisman of the Ark of the Covenant, and they go, great, we now can't lose. And then they do. Badly. Far more worse than the last time. Hophni, that's his other name, and and Phineas are both killed in this battle. 30,000 men are slaughtered, and the Ark of the Covenant is stolen by the Philistines. This is not 
a good outcome. But you can see maybe how the Israelite army got to this place where they thought, well, if we just have lift up the name of God, right? If we just say that God is on our side, then we'll be okay. And so often, especially in, you know, 21st century America, we lift up God and we say, oh, great, God is on our side, right? We, we do stuff as the church. And we assume that God is on our side when our call is to make sure that we are on God's side. So we consider things of justice. We consider that it's Juneteenth. What is our call for racial reconciliation? What is our call to repent, to confess the sins of slavery and our own complicity in it? What do we do about the privilege that we have in the institutionalized church? How do we deal with those things? If we just assume that God is on our side, we may find ourselves not in a good place. Then we have Acts, right? Acts, um, the, the end of four, we've skipped over. There was this whole story about um, the lame man at the temple. We, we can, we've skipped over that with the daily lectionary. And we have a, a repeat of this idea that everyone was in sort of um, common accord, right? Everyone was in the same accord of the the disciples all of these thousands of people it's this sort of colony this that is gathered together they're watching over each other and there's not a single poor person among them and the reason that is the case is those who have means are using their means in order to provide for the good of all right this is not It's not necessarily sort of a socialist sort of thing where, where this money is being taken, right? It's a voluntary thing. But it is a society of this little, like, commune where they really, truly are taking care of every single person in this community. There is not a single poor person among them. Everyone is taken care of. And think about just, is that going to bring more rich people or is that going to bring more poor people? It's probably going to bring more poor people in who say, hey, great, in this, in this community, I can be fed. And yet, rich people are coming in as well and they are generously, graciously, voluntarily giving of what they have. Barnabas sells off his property, gives all of the proceeds to the... Um, to the apostles in the in the show uh ad which was sort of this the sequel to the bible miniseries type thing um they they told it like this that barnabas actually grants this uh this land to this colony and this these these people all kind of live in this in this group here in that place um that is important because of the story that comes next. It helps us to understand what's going on because Ananias and Sapphira, they sell their, their house or whatever it is. Great, happy, wonderful. They're gonna give their money to the apostles. Great, wonderful, happy. However, they shortchange the apostles. That's the problem. So they, go in and they want to have all of the credit and the acclaim of giving everything 
but they don't actually do it. They're taking kind of a step of faith where they're saying, we're going to give this money over, but they're also putting an asterisk on that faith where they say, we're going to keep this aside. So just in case this whole communal life where we're living together as the church doesn't work out, well, then we've got this to fall back on. That doesn't go over well. Peter knows through the Holy Spirit, this is exactly what happens, confronts um, first Ananias and then Sapphira. And you notice they both have the chance to fess up. They do not do so. And they're struck down dead. This is harsh. This is wild. This is crazy. But that's how important this community is. That's how important this, um, the image and the, the sort of the witness, the social witness of this community that is actually really and truly taking care of one another. And if you're pretending to be a part of this, but you're really not a part of this, it's just like the people bringing the Ark of the Covenant to and saying, well, you know, we've got this on our side. We're, we're totally fine when they're really, their heart is not in it. Same thing with Ananias and Sapphira. And we have a, an amazing statement. Great fear sees the whole church and all who heard these things. No duh, right? <laughs> Imagine what does that, what does that mean to forgiving after this? You, you better make sure that everything is kind of, you've got it figured out, right? And then we have in Luke, Jesus continuing to speak about uh, this time when Jerusalem will be surrounded by armies. Um, this is, again, a foreshadowing of 70 AD um, or B, uh, CE, <laughs> whatever you want to call it, uh, where Jerusalem and the temple are destroyed by the Roman Empire. Um, but also, going back to our reading of, of Revelation, there's there's at least that possibility that this is also a, a future thing. Um, and Jesus' word overall to them is hope, right? When these things happen, lift up, stand up, raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. This destruction, this terrible news like the end of slavery, which was the destruction of a certain style of life and way of life. Absolutely. There is a reason that we celebrate Juneteenth, some two years after the Emancipation Proclamation, and there's a reason why people really don't want to celebrate Juneteenth, because it was two years later. There were people who had a vested interest with not making it known that this thing had happened some two years before. And yet, those of us who are longing for justice, those who long for righteousness, we celebrate freedom in whatever form and whatever way that it comes, and we seek the freedom and the redemption of all because that's what we have in Jesus Christ. And so whether you hear it when it happens or whether you hear it sometime after 
freedom comes. Thanks be to God. All right. Now go out into the world in peace. Have courage. Hold on to what is good. Return no one evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak and help the suffering. Honor all people. Love and serve the Lord, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And as I mentioned before, this liturgy is copyright 2019 by the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, and this document may be re- reproduced for use in your congregation as long as the copyright notice appears on each copy, which is why I'm doing it virtually. Thank you so much for joining me today for daily prayer for Juneteenth. Glad that you were able to join me. Go ahead and like this video or follow and subscribe. Do all the things that uh, we are, all the good things that we know. Um, Our liturgy, as I said, was from the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. Our readings were from the uh, New Revised Standard Version of the Bible using the daily lectionary readings. For those of you who are listening in podcast form, um, I will have to cut this into two different parts. I'll do liturgy and also scripture because I can't, I have a limit on how long each individual podcast can be. So look out for the other other option, whichever one you're listening to. Go ahead and listen to the other one as well. Thank you so much for joining me today for daily prayer. Join me tomorrow for some more. Like this video, share it with someone else. I already said that all. Go to our website, johncalvinchurch.org for more information. Have a very blessed day. Have a celebratory Juneteenth um, and also a commemorative, reflexive one. We'll see you next time. Bye.